Dan, many thanks for joining Graeme Stewart and I for the Everton podcast. Welcome to the Royal Liver Building. As an esteemed architect yourself, I must ask you, what do you think of the Royal Liver Building? Well, it's incredible. I mean, I love the idea of the three graces and the sort of history of what these buildings have meant to the city. And, um, you know, just it, too often these buildings get forgotten and, and sort of uh, people move on to new shiny things. And it's so great to see a building um, resurrected like this. And it, it has an incredible presence, incredible views of the river, incredible view of the site, which you can't beat. So, yeah, it's really spectacular. And when you consider the construction started back in 1908, it's some place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, um, I mean, it rivals, you know, any great skyscraper in the world. Um, so the idea of uh, being able to occupy it now and, and making it the home for the, uh, for the offices is really, really incredible opportunity. Let's speak about our new stadium, Dan. When were you first approached by Everton Football Club? Well, I think to be fair, we approached the club, um, and it was probably a little over three years ago now. And um, it's kind of a funny story because I, uh, one of my staff had said, hey, you know, Everton's considering a new stadium. They have been for a while, and there's, there's maybe an opportunity for us to, to get a meeting with um, Robert Elstone at the time. And you know, I was skeptical because I thought, why is Everton going to pick an American to design their, their building? But we put a meeting together, and I was still kind of skeptical. I flew over. My flight was late, missed my train. So I knew that on the train I was going to be at least an hour late for the meeting with the president of the club, and it all seemed like a disaster. There was literally a time where I was going to get off at Runcorn and go back. <laughs> and um, But fortunately, I stayed with it, and... Um, Robert was great, and we sat down, and it was one of these really incredible moments. Within probably 15 or 20 minutes, um, there was a connection over the fact that this wasn't just another stadium. It wasn't just another club. Um, there, was, there was such a great communication of how important this was to the soul of the club and the future and the culture, and that's what we really get excited about. We're, we don't do every project, and I... Um, I saw something here that I knew this was going to be a unique building and a unique opportunity to really embody the culture and ethos of a club. And well, we really connected over that. So it was that one conversation that really led to you know where we are today. Dan, you're, you're the man who's been given the privilege and the pressure <laughs> yeah. of building our fantastic 52,000-seater stadium with a view to maybe going a little bit higher, mm -hmm. depending. Where do you start, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it is always a little intimidating, but, um, you know, part of it was what I just described. I mean, I'm, I'm starting with the understanding that it was really important that this isn't just another building. It's not just another new stadium. It, it really is something that embodies the ethos of the club and the history of the club. And you can't talk about the history of the club without thinking about Goodison. Cool. You know, I mean, Goodison is one of the world's greatest experiences of, of seeing a football match. It's everything that football, certainly English football, is about. Um, so a lot of it was thinking about that. Let's really understand what is that. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be fans that'll laugh about, you know, there's rickety seats or a column in front of them. I and mean, there are lots of things to love and hate, but it's still the home and, and this memory of all of the incredible things that have happened in that building. So... That was where we started, was really, let, let's understand what that experience is 
and be very conscious of anything we're doing to create something new has to really embody that and bring bring some of that magic with you. Um, and then, you know, we looked at a couple of different sites as we were beginning the study, um, but once Bramley Moore came onto the radar, that adds a whole other layer of not only the history of the club, but now you have the history of the city and the history of the docks, and there's an incredible context, and um, you have to respect the history of that place. So while it sounds sort of intimidating, and it is because it's, it's a huge responsibility, as you said, there are a lot of things to build on. You know, I'm, not, I'm really not starting with a blank sheet of paper. There are so many things that you have to take into account, and that starts to really form the idea. How challenging is it, Dan, to, when somebody says to you, we want a brand new stadium, we want a 52,000-seater stadium, but we want the Goodison Park atmosphere? Mm-hmm. We want to take that atmosphere with us. That can't be easy. <laughs> well, it can't be easy because there's no magic formula to atmosphere. You know? And um, I think you've probably seen over the years that I've been working on this, I've, I've really struggled with this idea of capacity because... Uh, on you know, on one level, people just believe that the more people you can put in a place, the louder it's going to be, the more atmosphere it's going to be. But actually, there are lots of examples where that's not the case. You know, if if you have too many seats and it's not full, it has an incredible impact on the players for one, which changes the game. And it it has an impact on the crowd. You know, it has the sense that you could always get a ticket. You could go there anytime. So you wait for the good weather. Or you wait for the good game or so, so capacity is, is such a very, um, it's, it's not scientific, but it's, 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 a, it's a very magical formula to try and get that exactly right. Um, Did you have a say in the capacity? Not a say, but, but I certainly think that I've probably had some influence on it. And, and it was really about um, trying to get everyone to understand that capacity, ambition is not, or capacity is not about ambition. Sure, we could build 60,000, 70,000, but it's really about getting that formula right. And, and I pointed out that there were a lot of great stadiums in the world that are 40,000 seats and 50,000 seats that are as atmospheric as any in the world. So um, that's just one, one component to it. And, and then uh, there are also elements of making sure that you're right on top of the pitch, that you're capturing the noise that the crowd makes, that you're... Um, engaging the crowd so that they feel like they're part of the building and, and not just a bystander to it. So there, there are so many things that add up to atmosphere that um, are difficult to capture, and it's, that's, that's probably the hardest part of my job. Dan, you mentioned the proximity of the pitch and the intimidatory factor we want and that we, we have at Goodison Park. That is the single most asked question by Evertonians to myself, Snod Sharpie, Darren, Anybody who asks about the new stadium, we're not going to be a million miles away from the pitch. Like, I think oh, no yeah. chance. Yeah, again, back to where we started. That was, that was critical day one, that we were going to have um, seats that were straight sidelines, that were very tight, as tight as we could possibly be, and then being as steep as possible beyond that. So, because that is, that is definitely a requirement of something that's atmospheric and, and intimidating. Um, you know, some of the new stadiums, West Ham obviously suffered from the changeover from being an athletic stadium. But, but I think even some of the other new stadiums that, that I've seen built in this country have tried to be a little bit too much of an international stadium, a, 
they feel more like an NFL stadium to me where there's so many things packed in that it just pushes the bowl away from the pitch because you have to fit all these things in and you lose that feeling of just the stands right on top of the pitch. One of the good things, one of the opportunities we have is that this really is a football first facility. That was always the vision. And so it, it helps that we don't have to find all kinds of room for 30 clubs that we wouldn't, we wouldn't utilize in a market like this. So it allows us to really put the pitch and the, the stands in the tightest configuration we can possibly do. When, when, when's the cutoff point down? When can you no longer make changes? When, when, when the design reaches a stage where, right, that's it, that's 100% what we're going with now, we can't make any more changes. Or are we at that stage? No, I don't. I wouldn't say we're at that stage now. I think, I think we're reaching the point where some of the big decisions are being made. I, I think that we're pretty close to what our initial capacity and ultimate capacity are, and and part of that's limited by the site. You know, we ha we have a very difficult to build on, very tight site. It's so we can't make it as big as we wanted to anyway. It's there is some limitation to that. Um, there are things like. Well, here you'll see in some of these design elements what we're doing with the brick or the steel or the, you know, the subtle shape or the glass or the colors. There are things like that that we're still massaging and still tweaking and uh, integrating parking and things like that that make some subtle changes to it. But we have gotten to the point now where we have a pretty good idea of the big vision of the stadium. And um, while we still could integrate things, um, I think that we're, you know, we're pretty close to knowing what it's going to be. You brought some designs along with you, some images here that mm. Graham and I have just been looking through, and that, I mean, that just looks fabulous to me. That. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. It's one of those things that um, you never know when when you you reveal something like this. There will be people that will had some totally different idea in their head. For me there was this opportunity that we're on this historic site and and there have been some incredible examples like the titanic hotel and and um i forget the, the tobacco building that, that are, is being renovated um and and again we were talking about the liver building the idea of bringing some of that architecture back here was an opportunity in my mind to make it feel like the building grew out of this historic site and so from the very early stages of the design, I had this idea that we would have this base that would grow out. Again, very tight uh, seating around the pitch, and then encasing that in, in brick of some sort that draws on the architecture around, but then breaking out of it with the canopy and the roof and this more metallic object that I thought, uh, have always felt, gives you the sense of both the history and the future of the that, that, That's what comes ac across to me, looking at that initial picture there, the, the, the sensitivity of the area in which we're building our new stadium, coupled with the modern-day factor, yeah. you know, the blow-away factor that we, we, we're really looking forward to as, as a football club. Yeah, and I, I will tell you, in some ways, it feels like it makes my job easier in that there's a reason why we're doing this. There, there's a reason why you would expect brick, yeah. even though I can't think of a modern stadium that has brick, in, not in the UK anyway. And there's certainly some American baseball stadiums that have grown up this way and a couple of football stadiums because they come from areas like that. But it, it helps um, tie the building to its place and it helps give us some rules. When you're designing a building on a site that has no context, then you have to just make it up. And, and then you end up with a building that doesn't really have any history or any real connection to the place it is. And 
in my view, that's really something that's lost when you look at the history of, you know, Old Trafford or uh, uh, Fulham, or there was always this kind of context of the area that made those buildings the quirky little buildings they were, and that's what gave them their charm. Same with Goodison, and so the idea that Bramley Moor is going to be a modern version of that is something we've been striving for from the very beginning. The aerial shot of an, of a night is just that. That's the wow picture, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. the wow picture. That that's that that's the banks of the Royal Blue Mersey. That yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's it's um, people forget how much these buildings really glow when they're on when they're lit up and 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 the event is happening and. This is going to be a beacon on the river, you know, from the skyline. It's going to, uh, it's going to be very clear what's happening and um, really stick out. I think it's really a part of it, isn't it? Because there's still a lot of water there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is. That's the home end, isn't it? Yeah. So again, one of the, one of the early ideas that, that was always clear was to have this very um, large, steep, continuous home end. And, you know, there are examples out there. Dortmund's Yellow Wall is one of the most famous ones. But um, this one is, is much bigger, um, and, and certainly bigger than anything we have in Goodison, um, and steeper than, than most in, in the Premier League. So uh, w- for us, that was part of making sure we had that intimidating factor that we were bringing from, from Goodison and, and really giving you a, a kind of unique football experience that most of the new stadiums don't have. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention that because myself and Darren covered the game down at Spurs, our last game of last season. And the one thing that struck me about Spurs was this big wall of, of Tottenham fans. I mm. think it's 17,500 mm. along those kind of lines. We've all been there when Goodison absolutely rocks. Yeah. And that's with seven, 8,000 in, in the Gladys <laughs> Street, for argument's sake. If we could get anywhere near to doubling that, I mean, that is going to be some noise. And, and it... And, like you say, intimidating to you know to walk out in front of a noise, a wall of Evertonians. It, honestly, it makes the hairs on my back, back of my neck stand, <laughs> yeah. stick up already. Yeah, and it is that. It's twice that. Plus, compared to Spurs, it's a much um, tighter section. Right. It, the roof is closer. Everything is smaller because, again, we don't have the same number of suites and clubs and all those things that just make the building bigger. And it's really hard. That's where noise comes from is when you have the tighter volume and the ability to have that sound reverberate. So this is a very tight, very um, simple building. So we've worked on the acoustics of the of the build, uh, yep. stadium as well? Yep. Yeah, we've looked at, um, and that again, that's some ongoing study uh, as we look at how we're cladding some of these elements that you see. But uh, the one thing that we've always been very conscious of is to keep the section as tight as we can. Was it important for you to have a one-tier home end? It was, and... Um, you know, there's there's some restriction to it, and and it's it's as we're working through it because you you do have if if it really is just you come in at the bottom, it's a long walk to the top, mm. and if it's really steep, that can be very intimidating. So, those are the kind of things we're still looking at about where do you enter that section? You come in at the middle and you go up and down, but sort of uh, philosophically and visually, it wants to feel like a cohesive, you know, one big tier. Yeah, I think what you see in some of these other images is the the notion of, as you walk around the building, we we want this to be a spectacular uh, building for people to visit, even when it's not game day. You know that it it most stadiums when you're walking around the edge, other than the gates, you know it's just a giant wall and you have no sense of it. And we really wanted to create these areas where you could see into the building and 
enter the superstore. This is a big balcony that actually, it's the back of the home end. And so it, it is, becomes the most special part of the building. Looks back at the skyline and the skyline looks back at it, obviously. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of the big front door view right there. What about interaction for the fans, Dan? Is there a, a way, will we be able to walk all the way around the stadium? Yes, definitely. That's a must. Um, that you can circulate around it on, on different concourses and at right. a grade. Um, one, one of the things we're learning is that, you know, it's, um, it's a very windy site, as you can see right out here. So while we're working at mitigating those impacts and, and um, looking at ways to uh, create a, a river walk that goes all the way, connects all the Peel development, and then this becomes the big sort of southern mark of that. The balcony looks terrific on this shot, doesn't it? Yeah, Perfect. I mean, this was a rendering that we actually did pretty early, and as the buildings evolved, we've we've re-looked at it a few different ways. But I just love the notion of these two kids, you know, the future Everton fan, um, looking at what's the big front window of the building. And, yeah, it's pretty spectacular. It certainly is that. No doubt about that as well. From the very first moment, Dan, it was important to you to get as much feedback from the Everton supporters as possible, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, and I will tell you that that's, I've been doing this a long time. And, um, but that interaction has really been important to me. And it's influenced me not only with this building, but in how I think about other buildings. It, it really is, um, designing a building like this is so much different than an office building because people do really feel like it's their home. You know, they own the team. And, um, Have we done more fan consultation than any other club you've worked with? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, um, you know, throughout my history, there were, there've certainly been things like focus groups. And usually, though, it's, it's focused on, um, on, on the sort of VIP customer and what are they willing to spend on and how much are they willing to spend. That's where most clubs invest their kind of fan uh, consultation. The incredible thing about this, and it, it goes back to what I said at the very beginning, it was clear to me from the beginning, the culture here is different. And it was an understanding that this is the home of generations of fans, and we want to get it right. And we want uh, we want to make sure that as we do this, you know, that we have a building for the next 150 years, and it, it really is reflective of our fans. And um, this kind of consultation, I've never seen. I don't think any club's ever done it. Not not just in my career. I've never seen anything like it. Come on, Dan. Ask us. Give us the answer. <laughs> Where are we on a scale? of your favorite stadiums that you've built across the years? Well, I mean, I have a tattoo seared into my wrist on this one, so it's obviously got to be pretty high. I, don't, <laughs> I, I can't have a tattoo of everyone. But um, no, without a doubt, it's, you know, I, I usually answer that question that it's the next one because it's always <laughs> the next challenge. But there is no doubt that I've never had anything that um, has become so much a part of me and I feel so much a part of it. You know, the... The idea, and I know it sounds cliche about, you know, you, you, it gets in your blood and all that, but it's really true. I became a very rabid fan. I watch all the games. I come to a lot of games. And, um, and it's hard because, you know, my business, I do have to worry about other teams and I have to think about other teams and other projects. And, but this is my emotional one. This is where my heart is. And, uh, you know, building a building on this site, in this city, um, this is career-defining for me, without a doubt. Fantastic. I think so many Evertonians are going to want to hear as well, Darren. Passion. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and just on the emotional side of it, 
the first game, 52,000 people, wow. absolutely jam-packed. I'm sure you'll think back to when you, I don't know, you had your shoebox or your piece of blank <laughs> paper. That must be an incredible moment to see your work come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, it's, I've been asked this question before over the years, and um, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's a bit um, absurd to me because <laughs> I have a napkin. I have a napkin of the very first time I sketched something that looks like this. And then, you know, three, four, five years later, when you're there and the fans are going crazy and they, it doesn't seem possible. How did that happen? And part of it is that it's not just me, obviously. I have an incredibly talented team of people that work with me and my office is in New York and LA and, I, and we have engineers and all kinds of consultants. There's a lot of people much smarter than me that make it to that point. But part of it's also the time. I mean, it just becomes more than a job and more than what I'm doing on a daily basis. And then it just is there one day. And it's, it's magical. There's just no other way to describe it. What's your closing message to the Evertonians, Dan? I just want people to know that we've put a lot of effort into making sure we do it right. And, um, and that we do something that is truly special and unique. And it's not going to be just another building. You just can't replace Goodison without doing something that's really incredible. And um, I'm committed to it, and I know the club's committed to it, and I, I hope that once people start to see it, they'll then feel it, and you know, they'll be in the process with us. And we've we've still got a little ways to go, and obviously there's still a few hurdles, but um, it's it's uh, it's real. The legend that was Alan Ball once said, "Once Everton Football Club touches you, nothing is ever the same again." Yep. He was right, wasn't he? Definitely true with me. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Dan, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. Cheers, Dan. Thank you. Thanks.